0: Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. Today's topic, Go Fast and Gimbal. That's correct. That's two of the three videos that were released by the U.S. Navy here a couple of months ago, at least released to the public officially. Now there were three videos, as we recall. We talked about uh, the one that's commonly referred to as a Tic Tac video or some call it the FLIR ONE video because it was uh, filmed with a with the heat-sensitive camera. That first one we talked about in the last podcast, the Tic Tac video, was filmed off the coast of California back in 2004. Now, the videos we're talking about today uh, go back to 2015 off the coast of Florida, and they uh, involve incidents that happened in 2014 and 2015. They also involve the uh, U.S. Aircraft Carrier Roosevelt. And an interesting uh, side note to that is it also involves this uh, new groundbreaking radar that the Navy had started to use back in 2004. So basically the UFOs were sighted uh, all three times, 2004, and then again in 2014 and 15, with this new type of radar they use, which has been uh, described as just creating a very realistic picture of whatever it is that they've latched onto on the radar. And some of you may remember how after all these videos were released to the public, uh, it, came, it came out that there are other images, but the Navy has not released those images saying that it was a national security threat. So many investigators believe what they're saying by that is, is that they currently possess a, a, a radar capability that is unknown to uh, our world competitors, our enemies, whatever, and that the Navy currently has a fantastic high-definition radar detection system that's painting some very graphic images that have not been available to the general public. That said, the videos that we do have show some things there and uh, the debunkers have not been able to um, really put these things to the side. There's been a lot of discussion about them as it's come out but the information was kind of just released in a tidal wave and it really didn't get uh, the analysis and dissection that it deserved and so I kind of wanted to break these videos down individually so that we could look at them and see what was really going on here. Now the first article I wanted to refer to comes from LiveScience.com and the a date on this is May 29th, 2019 so this would have come out before the official release of the videos but a year and a half, two years after the unofficial release which we've talked about so many times where the videos we know were clandestinely given by somebody within the bowels of the Deep State to the New York Times who turned around and gave those videos to Louis Elizondo, former head of the A.T.E.P. program, that's the UFO Investigation Threat Program, Louis Elizondo and current partner, or employee I guess you would say, thereof to the Academy of the Stars uh, run by Mr. Tom DeLong, the UFO for-profit company. So I won't go into that in a lot of detail. If you're interested, there's plenty of other podcasts that you can listen to that talk about this revolving deep state door where people are given uh, government property, this UFO evidence, and allowed to monetize it before it's made widely available to the public. Now the article states... Here, let's go one second... This is the life science. Uh, the article on this uh, goes into pretty good detail. This, the the uh, title is Fleet of UFOs Followed U.S. Aircraft, Navy Pilot Says. Now this is in regard to the incidents that happened down off the coast of Florida. Between 2014 and 2015, seasoned pilots in the U.S. Navy experienced a number of harrowing encounters with UFOs during training missions in the U.S., While pilots were mid-flight, their aircraft cameras and radar detected seemingly impossible objects flying at hypersonic speeds at altitudes up to 30,000 feet. These mysterious UFOs did so with no visible means of proportion. That was reported by the New York Times on May 26. However, none of the pilots suggested these perplexing UFOs represent an extraterrestrial invasion according to the Times, which previously wrote about the Navy pilots encountering UFOs in 2004. Well, the pilots probably know better than to suggest that these things are alien-controlled. I mean, I couldn't think of a quicker way of losing your pilot license in the military. In total, six pilots were stationed on the aircraft carrier USS Theodore Roosevelt between 2014 and 2015, told the Times about spotting UFOs during flights along the southeastern coast of the U.S., extending from Virginia to Florida. Now, remember, the other video, the one that we that's commonly referred to as a Tic Tac or the FLIR 1 video, that was taken in 2004 that involved... Uh, I believe he was a captain, Frever and Underwood. Okay, Frever was the uh, squadron leader leader, and Underwood was one of the pilots. They were the ones involved in that and I believe the actual video was taken off of Underwood's gun camera. Now that incident happened in 2004 off the coast of California. The two incidents that we're looking at today, the go-fast and the gimbal videos were taken off of the east coast of the United States. It says here, 2014-2015, two of the pilots who spoke with the newspapers about the inexplicable sightings share their stories in the new History Channel documentary series, Unidentified Inside America's UFO Investigation. Of course, this was from last year. Video of two aerial encounters appears in the series showing clips of UFOs, One tiny white speck and one large dark blob. These UFOs later came to be known respectively as GoFast and Gimbal. Now you'll remember and I've got links here at the Twitter account UFO Warning you can get there by going to at WarningSubUFO and I've got multiple links to the videos and also to uh, the Navy website where you can download videos if you like to. And you'll notice the, the go-fast, that's the one where you see this white light racing off to the left, and the uh, pilot's talking about it. You're just surprised to watching how fast this thing is going. And then the gimbal video is the one that's uh, at altitude, and you see this thing, it's almost like a top. It's kind of in a saucer shape that has, it has uh, kind of little uh, bumps on both sides, and it's sitting there moving back and forth. The article goes on, it says, "...the objects had no distinct wing..." no distinct tail, no distinct exhaust plume, Lieutenant Danny coin one of the Navy pilots who reported UFO sightings beginning in 2014, said in the documentary, I would just point out that all three of these incidents, um, the very first one that we saw, the Tic Tac, that was described as a 40-foot oblong-shaped UFO that was shaped like a Tic Tac, and in that sighting, we have multiple reports of fleets. So we really seem to be talking about three distinct phenomena here. And it seems as though really what's happened is the U.F. the Navy just dumped these videos on, on onto the Internet. Very little explanation. Uh, a lot of information came out. It all kind of got jumbled together. And some people might have thought these videos were all taken at the same time. They weren't. What we have is three... Distinct types of UFOs or UFO phenomena. As I said, this first, this first one, this tic-tac shaped one, um, it, it's one of these long oblong. I think some people would have dis- would have maybe described that as, as a cigar shaped UFO. Had it been under different circumstances. Now, in the two from 14 and 15, uh, the go fast to me. You can see this thing race along the water. It's almost to me. It looks more like an orb and i don't know if it's just uh, if it's just something in the film but it looks like there might be two of them there which the one seems to go unnoticed but the one sighting seems to me to clearly be a type of orb sighting it's not a, it's just not a distinct shape it's almost like a like a little bit of ball lightning moving across the surface of the ocean now the gimbal video the third video we're talking about it almost looks like a flying saucer which is rotating at like, I don't know, like what a uh, a 90 degree angle, maybe 45 degree angle. It's just kind of going back and forth there. So it looks much more physical than the other two. Now it says here, quote, It seemed like they were aware of our presence. This is a pilot talking, A coin, Danny A coin. It seemed like they were aware of our presence because they would actually move around us, Lieutenant A coin said. According to the lieutenant, when a strange reading shows up on radar for the first time, it's possible to interpret it as a false alarm. But then, when you start to get multiple sensors reading the exact same thing, and th- then you get to see a display, that solidifies it for me. A. told the Times that he encountered UFOs twice during the flights that were a few days apart. He also said that though tracking equipment, radar and infrared cameras on his aircraft detected UFOs both times, he was unable to capture them on his helmet camera. Now, I thought that was really interesting. You know, why would why would the radar and the infrared pick it up but not the helmet camera? I mean, this is something that we've seen a lot of times in with these UFOs, they appear to one person but not the other, two people standing side by side, one sees it, one doesn't. A lot of times in these airport-type UFOs, things get picked up on radar, the pilot sees them, and vice versa. It's almost as if, once again, we're talking about this interaction, this observer effect, and maybe the UFOs, for whatever reason, didn't recognize these machine cameras as a threat, and they... uh, they didn't camouflage himself, and maybe for some reason, because this camera was on the guy's head, for whatever reason, the UFOs um, just just did not allow that camera to record them. It's it's odd that one camera would record them and the other one wouldn't. That's what seems really strange about this. He's making an eye. He's making uh, he's making an observation with his eyes. If he's seeing it with his eyes, why won't the camera record it? It's sometimes. It reminds me of these cases where people, you know, they're doing this ghost hunting thing. They try to photograph a ghost or something. It doesn't appear, doesn't show up, but people say they saw it. It's just, it has that very strange uh, paranormal aspect to it. Lieutenant Ryan Graves, an F-18 pilot, says, said in the documentary that a squadron of UFOs, that's interesting, he describes it as a squadron. That means it's a group of them and they're acting in unison. They're not just buzzing around like fireflies. Lieutenant Ryan Graves, an F-18 pilot, said in a documentary that a squadron of UFOs followed his Navy strike group up and down the eastern coast of the U.S. for months. And in March 2015, after the Roosevelt was deployed to the Arabian Gulf, Graves said the UFOs reappeared. We did have issues with them when we went out to the Middle East, Lieutenant Graves said. Pilots who spotted the UFO speculated among themselves that the unnerving objects may have belonged to a highly classified drone program using unknown technology, and they did not consider them to be extraterrestrial in origin, the Times reported. Now, this is really interesting to me. So, the pilots, these are the professionals here, they, they're seeing these things as a threat. And they think that they are a terrestrial threat—maybe the Russians or the Chinese or whoever—and that's how they view them. Now, remember, we had this—we uh, had this ATEP program. It was that was the whole unidentified aerial phenomena threat program that was run by Louis Elizondo. So, if these things were a threat. Wouldn't you think that the observations and the video evidence would have been handled as though they were viewed as a threat? The thing that I find really disturbing about this is that even though the pilots saw these things as a terrestrial threat, that means something put up there by one of our enemies or potential enemies, their concerns were ignored. And the, these videos, all three of these videos, taken from the Nimitz, the first one from the Nimitz carrier, and the second from the Roosevelt, and these weren't one-off things. These UFOs have been harassing both of these carriers in three different theaters. First in California, then off the coast of, well, four different theaters. First in Calif- off the coast of Cal- Southern California, then off the coast of Virginia and Florida, and all up and down the coast, they say. And then over in the Middle East. So they were persistent. Now, given this, how can we accept? How can we accept that it's okay that the deep state saw fit to hand these three videos over to the New York Times, who later gave them to Louis Elizondo, and then TSSA was allowed to publish these online, monetize them, apparently. And get all this free advertising racked up. I mean, is that the way that you want to handle video that your pilots perceive as a threat? I mean, shouldn't this thing have gone to the highest levels of government? Shouldn't the President of the United States been notified about this thing? And if they were released, should they have been released in a public form? I don't know. The whole thing is just so sketchy to me. And just, it has such a bad feel about it. Goes on, he says... Lieutenant Graves and others are speaking out now, this course was written a year ago, because because what they saw raised concerns for them about their comrades and national security. Christopher Mellon, a former Deputy Assistant Secretary of of Defense for Intelligence, told the History Channel In 2015, following the spate of UFO sightings, the U.S. Navy issued official guidelines for personnel to report and investigate aerial objects according to the times. Those native Navy protocols were updated earlier this year. All data will be classified information and will not be made available to the general public, life science previously reported. Well, you see, that's not what happened with these. Of course, those original three videos were not made available to the general public. They were made available to the former head of ATIP person that many people would argue was a deep state employee, just because of the fact that he worked for a defense department uh, bureaucracy was very secretive. Quote, Unidentified Inside America's UFO Investigation, Arizona History Channel, May 31st. And of course, that was last year. Now, that's the article from Live Science, and I think that's a pretty well-written article. I also have a link here um, the Twitter account UFO Warning, and this comes from defense.gov, and it says statement by the Department of Defense on the release of historical Navy videos. This is dated April twenty seventh, twenty twenty. It says the Department of Defense has authorized the release of three unclassified Navy videos, one taken in November of two thousand four and the other two in January of 2015, which have been circulating in the public domain after unauthorized releases in 2007 and 2017. Now, this is a little bothersome to me. I mean, I'm glad that they finally come clean, so to speak, on what happened, but where's the accountability? And I think as taxpayers, shouldn't we be notified what happened to the people involved that, that did this unauthorized release? I mean, you had a guy in, uh, was it Washington, or Oregon, that did time because he took a picture of a old submarine as, as a soldier and somebody found that picture on his cell phone in a landfill and President Trump finally, I think he either either commuted the sentence or pardoned him. So, I mean, why can some people go to prison over what would seem to be well, things that lots of other people have done. But yet these three videos are released leaked to the New York Times private companies allowed to monetize them, but there doesn't seem to be any kind of, of transparent investigation whatsoever. Okay, the article goes on, you can find this on my Twitter feed The U.S. Navy previously acknowledged that these videos circulating in the public domain were indeed Navy videos. After a thorough review, the department has determined that the authorized release of the unclassified videos does not reveal any sensitive capabilities. I want to go back to something here. I just almost overlooked this, and maybe you guys can notice this. Now, remember, we're talking about the videos that were taken in 2004 in 2015. It says here that they had been circulating in the public domain after unauthorized release in 2007 and 2017. I guess I'll have to do a little more research to find out about the 2007 release because what's gotten most of the attention was the 2017 release to Tom DeLonge's group. That's something I I guess I'll have to take a little bit of a harder look into. This is strange. He goes on and says... After a thorough review, the department has determined that the authorized release of these unclassified videos does not reveal any sensitive capabilities or systems and does not impinge on any subsequent investigations of military airspace incursions by unidentified aerial phenomena. DOD is releasing the videos in order to clear up any misconceptions by the public on whether or not the footage that has been circulating was real or whether or not there is more to the videos. Well, it would be nice if they would clear up the chain of evidence and tell. They've just told us something new here that there were releases not only in 2017, but also in 2007. So we have two releases of evidence that wasn't supposed to be released. We're told that the 2017 release was to the New York Times, but and then subsequently to. Uh, to the Academy of Stars, we all know that. But what about the 2007 release? I haven't cleared that up at all. It says, the aerial phenomena observed in the videos remain characterized as unidentified. The released videos can be found at the Naval Air Systems Command FOIA reading room. Now, you can go there and download the, uh, those videos if you like. That's really um, how the whole thing should have been handled in the first place, instead of just, you know, clandestinely re- releasing this stuff, and as I said, now we're now I'm just looking at this and I'm saying, wow, so the 2017 release, yeah, I knew about that. That was to the New York Times. Where does this 2007 release come in at? That's that doesn't clear things up. That th- that actually makes things um, a little bit less clear to me. Now I also um, I went ahead and. Connected uh, link to a video, and this is from 2019, May 15th. This is history.com. It says, official U.S. Navy video of a 2015 UFO encounter taken aboard a Navy fighter jet from the nuclear aircraft carrier USS Theodore Roosevelt off the eastern seaboard near the Florida coast. And then you can go there and you can take a look at that video if you like. I thought it was pretty interesting, and that's one of them. And then the last article I want to cover here even though I know this might be going on just a little bit, is from, is from the drive.com. Whoops. From the drive.com. And we get so much good stuff from these guys. Um, this one here is dated May 30th, 2019. So this would have been before the official release. It says, recently new details have emerged regarding a series of still unexplained encounters that U.S. Navy F-A-18 Super Hornet pilots had with unidentified flying objects while conducting training missions off the east coast of the United States in 2014 and 15. The War Zone has already explored this new detail and report and looked at how improved radars had played a major role in detecting these objects. Now, remember, we talked about this. The... Uh, The Navy's using these, uh, from what they've talked about, these these super uh, high-def radars that just have incredible pictures. And so incredible that uh, we've been told they can't release them, and we have to assume that they can't release them because it would endanger national security, because we'd be letting Russia and China know just how awesome our radar systems are. Now, it says here, but what wasn't immediately apparent was just how ideal... The situation could have been during at least some of these inf- incidents for observing and recording the performance signatures of a potentially revolutionary flying machines under real-world conditions by the very best combined group of air defense assets on the planet. Well, we're pretty sure they actually did record some of those, uh, some of those characteristics because remember we talked about the helicopter with the men in black coming onto to the Nimitz or whichever ship it was and taking that brick that contained all the evidence of the original Tic Tac video. Uh, And we've also read articles about uh, the sailors in the radar room just being amazed by these pictures. So, pretty sure somebody can't come right out and talk about it because um, they don't want to go to prison for the rest of their life for revealing state secrets. But it sounds like there probably are some pretty awesome videos and still pictures of these Three craft, and I have to think. Uh, uh, judging the way President Trump has been acting recently about the topic of UFOs, I'm I'm getting the feeling that maybe he's finally got to look at these things. Maybe. The article continues. It says the aircraft and ships present around the time of these events occurred were equipped with the most advanced sensor fusion networking and computer processing capabilities. Now remember this first sighting took place in 2004. Now, wow. That's pre-cell phone, or at least pre-cell phone among us peasants. The next sighting took place in the next record in 2014 and 2015. Think of the technological advancement that has took place in that 10, 11 year time period. They were bragging about the radar in 2004. Can you imagine what it can do in 2015? I mean, their capabilities have to be off of the charts. It says aircraft and ships present around the time these events occurred were equipped with the most advanced, got that? most advanced sensor fusion networking and computer processing capabilities available. Listen, these sayings are showing themselves in front of the most powerful, most modern naval battle group the Earth has ever seen. Now, if you think it was something in 2004 when the sailors were talking about, look at that. Imagine what it was like in 2015. You have all of these Super sensitive electronic equipment. I mean, it's just it's just piled on these ships. And it's recording these things, you know, 16 ways to Saturday, man. They've got everything. You can bet they've got 3D images. They've got every kind of heat signature, every kind of GPS signature. I mean, they've got everything but a, but a hologram with these things. And then what we see is this blurry, grainy picture. Here, I have this. You know, it's kind of like being a dog eating the scraps, man. We're not getting much, but we know, we know that this stuff has got to be awesome. In fact, collectively, it says, they represented the first time these capabilities were deployed across an operational carrier strike group. Got that? So they were starting it out in 04. They had the radar, baby. But by 2015, they were rocking. And they had this stuff all together. Cruising from Virginia down to Florida, and they were taking pictures and taking names, believe me. This directly mirrors the peculiar conditions present during the famous Tic Tac incident involving the USS Nimitz and her air wing and her escorts off the Baja coast in 2004. It goes on and says, Prior to the latest revelations regarding encounters with Navy pilots that occurred just a couple of years ago, we dug deep into the 2004 Nimitz event as well as greater issues surrounding the topic and its strange resurgence within the Pentagon. In this exposé, which you should read for better context, the information we are about to present below. And then it says, uh, author's note, people are asking a lot of questions that are answered in the pieces linked below. Reading them is essential to understanding the full situation and the many variables and issues of play when it comes to this complex and quickly developing topic. It's Okay, it goes on, it says, On May 26, 2019, the New York Times dropped the new details sourced in part from their r- record interviews with two Navy fighter pilots from VFA-11 Red Rippers. Now, these are the guys from the Roosevelt group. Lieutenants Ryan Graves and Danny Acoyne, as well as off-the-record comments from three more aviators broader information about the events from 2014 and 2015 has been passed around as random facts and rumor for some time and the famous gimbal video is reportedly from one of these encounters but the times piece offers hugely significant additional context which actually names which with actual names attached to it well in both of these incidents we see navy squadrons okay we have two pilots named with each an O4 and the Nimitz group and then again in 04 and 15 with the Roosevelt battle group. And this is your point of contact between the pilots and the UFOs. And as a third party witness we have the radar installations on those ships confirming everything that was seen and as a result we have physical evidence. That is three videos. We have the Tic Tac or Fleur video from the Nimitz battle group in 2004 and we have the GoFast and Gimbal video from the Roosevelt Battle Group in 2015. Now it says here, but the time story doesn't mention that between 2014 and 15, Graves and a and all the other personnel assigned to Carrier Air Wing 1 at CBW at 1, and the Nimitz-class aircraft carrier USS Theodore Roosevelt, as well as everyone else in the Associated Carrier Strike Group, or CSG, were taking part in series of particularly significant exercises the carrier had only returned to the fleet after a major four- year long overhaul also known as a refueling and complex overhaul RCOH in August 2013. this process included installing various upgrades such as systems associated with the latest operational iteration of the Navy's cooperative engagement capability CEC in its embedded naval integrated fire control counter and NIFCCA architecture in other words these boats are now Wi-Fi together to fight as a group to process all the complex uh, battle information that they would have I mean think about it you're here on a ship you're trying to, you're, you're on a rolling sea say you're trying to hit a small target 5, 10, 20 100 miles away. A lot of math involved. And a lot of math is done by these very complex computer systems allowing this battle group to work together as a single destructive unit. And at the same time with this massively improved radar imaging technology. Something that an adversary might be interested in? Yeah, you betcha. Now, if these UFOs are truly some sort of of top secret drone, from the Russians or Chinese we're probably in a lot of trouble because they're already way ahead of us it seems like it would be a lot more likely that these things are watchers watching us from another galaxy maybe perhaps but in my opinion much more likely another dimensional some sort of interdimensional thing just keeping an eye on us keeping an eye on a potential enemy They're not trying to shut anything down. Maybe as far as they're concerned, they're so much more far advanced than us, than even our massive improvements in the last 10 years are still not a threat to them. But they're keeping an eye on the situation anyway. We see the same thing happening with this COVID crisis. Every time another draconian rule pops up, the orbs pop up. Another dictatorial governor comes out and says you must wear a mask in your car when you're driving down the whole highway. All of this crazy nonsense is foisted upon us and we seem to see more watchers. And that seems to be what's happening with what's going on here with the Navy. But they're not coming up one and two at a time. Although this is not widely stressed in these, in these articles, the one common thing we see with with these sightings revolved around all three of these videos, is the pilots talking about fleets. You see this one here from the Roosevelt, um, not the Go Fast, but the Gimbal. The pilot talking about seeing a squadron of them. We have these trained warfighters, these trained fighter pilots, they know what a squadron is, they belong to a squadron, and they're seeing these UFOs act in some of the same ways multiple craft or multiple whatever they are acting in unison, acting in an intelligent manner as if they're following directions or they're following some kind of formation. This implies intelligence. This is not just the light reflecting off a windshield. This bears all the marks of some type of NHE or ET watching our military to assess what's going on. I found both of these articles, even though they were written a year ago, to be very in-depth, to be very analytical. And when we go back and read these articles in the context of what we know about how this information was linked to the quote-unquote press and then linked to TSSA to be publicly displayed, and then we see the comments coming out from various individuals and parts of Uh, the military, what some people would would quite rightly call the deep state, saying, well, we want to get this straightened out the way that it's handled. We see a clear pattern here of behavior. You know, when you're looking at the justice system, primarily what you're looking at is quantitative decisions. You were 19 miles over the speed limit, so this fine applies. Now, unless there was some extreme extenuating circumstance, yes, I was taking some to the hospital who was in critical condition, there's a good chance you're going to get a ticket. And we would expect the same thing from our military when we see people being put in jail for taking pictures of old submarines uh, on their cell phone, pictures that many other people have taken. We see one person go to jail and the other person, nothing happens. That's qualitative. Someone made a decision based on how they feel. And that's not how the system is supposed to work. And the same thing here with these three videos that were released. Uh, Actually, they almost come out and said it improperly. It certainly wasn't according to protocol. So they come out and they say, well, that really shouldn't have been done. We're going to do it the correct way. Uh, three years later, we're going to put them on our website. Here's the address. And now, like I said, you can go to uh, UFO Warning on my Twitter account. I have a link right there. You can go to the government website, and you can download the videos for yourself. That's how it should have been done in the first place. So what happened to the people, though, that violated the protocol? Well, they won't even tell us who they are. Nothing happened to them. Meanwhile, Roger Stone's facing what amounts to life in prison because he misremembered a date. Do you see what's happening? The deep state's protecting its own, while some 70-something-year-old man stumbles into a perjury trap, and it costs him his whole life. It's qualitative. That's not quantitative. You see, when you have a democratic republic, you want your criminal justice system to work at a quantitative level with a little bit of the qualitative thrown in so that we can show some mercy now and then, or give a pardon but when we have things being handled the way they were with the release of these three videos, that's just that's beyond the scale man. We need some correction and we need some we need some accountability here and I'm not saying that someone should go to jail but I should I am saying that the Department of Defense or the Navy or whoever should come out and say listen, this is exactly what happened and this is wrong. And as far as the New York Times is concerned, I mean, come on, man, how can they say that what they did was ethical at the same time as they sit there and criticize President Trump or churn up a a fake news story about Russians putting out hit squads on American soldiers? It seems fake so far, at least. We're supposed to trust them as an independent news source when they're dealing in this high-tech information backhandedly through back channels, which which could have been deemed illegal, actually. So the further you get into this thing, the further, you, the further you begin to see how the way that the deep state prefers to handle this really uh, high-energy intelligence is just a rat's nest. But finally, after three years, we're starting to get a little bit of clarity on this thing. And I think it's important to point that out and to start to put a few of the jigsaw puzzle pieces together. So what we know is now, we had two battle carrier groups, 2004 to 2015, both of them were engaging in uh, state-of-the-art radar imaging and state-of-the-art fleet communications. They are are effectively the most um, destructive, efficient naval power the world has ever seen. And what happens right in the middle of that, we have sighting after sighting after sighting of fleets of UFOs To the point where finally three videos proving this are recovered and released to the public between 13 and 3 years later. At this rate, I would say disclosure is yet quite a ways off. Until next time, this is UFO Warning, over and out.